Conversations with Leaders is a podcast focused on the intersection of business and technology. In today's special episode, we welcome Chris McCurdy and Dimple Alawalia of IBM Security to the show. They'll be talking with AWS security expert Clark Rogers about their new research report titled Data Security as Business Accelerator. Hear directly from the authors how security leaders should be thinking about data security, generative AI, and why trusted data is the unsung hero driving competitive advantage. Thank you for joining us on the AWS Conversations with Leaders podcast. We've recently released a white paper along with IBM entitled Data Security as Business Accelerator, the Unsung Hero Driving Competitive Advantage. I'm very fortunate to have two of my IBM colleagues with me, Chris McCurdy and Dimple Aluwalia from IBM. Chris and Dimple, would you care to introduce yourselves? This is Chris McCurdy, Worldwide Vice President and General Manager for IBM Security. This is Dimple Aluwalia. I'm also with IBM Security with responsibility globally for our security consulting business and working with clients. Chris, could you give the audience some background on the paper itself? Clark, let me start out with this. Good security is good business. And over a five-year period, organizations with the most advanced security capabilities actually delivered a 43% higher revenue growth than their peers. Data security is the core of your security program. And in this white paper, you'll actually see that. Like brakes on a race car, strong data security helps organizations innovate faster and more confidently knowing they have controls in place. Using the results from our recent white paper, we see that chief data officers are actually seeing the most important part of that is security around that data. Some of those topics we'll touch on is strong data security builds trust that helps unlock data value. Aligning on a common business objective across domains can actually enhance data security. A culture of assurance helps drive better business outcomes. Compliance can be a competitive differentiator. And leaders double down on security basics to prepare for the unexpected. So Clark, how is data security a business accelerator? And why do we describe it as the unsung hero driving competitive advantage? As part of my role as a enterprise strategist at AWS, I have the privilege to meet with virtually every industry with which we do business and meet with a whole host of members of the C-suite and boards of directors. What we've seen over time is the focus on security, not so much as a nice to have, or we must have for some sort of regulatory obligation, et cetera, but it's actually a business differentiator and therefore a business enabler. Businesses lean into security. They realize that if the stronger security program I have, the more mature security program I have allows me to take more risks. It allows me to look at markets differently. It allows me to look at opportunities differently with the confidence that I have in my security program. And that's not just the nuts and bolts of security, like how many firewalls do you have, but the security culture, the ownership of security outside of the security team itself. And then of course, the automation that's available inside of AWS and this running through incident response exercises and things like that they tend to have the confidence that they can move into markets, deliver products and services faster, and delight their customers. One of the big topics that have come up as of late with customers is security and AI. Chris, I know you have a deep knowledge of AI. Can you touch a little bit on what you're seeing from a generative AI perspective, or I guess even a non-generative AI perspective, and the security implications? We've been talking about AI for a very, very long time. 
and how we use artificial intelligence to make people smarter, to help them work faster in the security space. As we look at this generative AI and being able to leverage the data there, it's very important that we build trust. And, and what I talked about at the very onset, chief data officers and working here, they must have that responsibility as they lean into advanced analytics and AI to harness the value from that data. Security teams must also leverage the tools to help maintain and enhance the organization's security posture. AI automation, it can accelerate this ability to respond to security events automatically, identify typical versus atypical behavior patterns, and intelligently manage exceptions and escalations. There's risks and there's opportunities to this. Let's first just address the risks. Generative AI tools give threat actors a quick way to generate new and more complex types of malware and phishing schemes. Second is ability to generate and execute code should be of a concern to everyone and is why many leaders are saying, hold on, let's take a step back and be very cautious. Both of these inputs and outputs of generative AI tools are subject to manipulation as well. Who knows if the data or the information that's coming out is actually what is intended? It becomes even more dangerous when automated AI agents are used to generating fake content to take actions or actually to trigger attacks at scale and speed. Many mistakes that we could see being done. One other thing I've seen with customers as well is the risk of IP theft and or loss. A lot of these platforms are open. They're easy to use. They're quote unquote free. Unknowing customers may put stuff in there that they shouldn't be sharing outside of the company, and that becomes a risk to the business as well. We've seen so many companies just recently putting out policies of using generative AI. So systems integrators and consultants like ourselves have been given notification by organizations, and I strongly encourage people to put together policies that they can use within their organization of what data is being put into these AI machines but then also to work with their partners, vendors, third parties of what data can be used in those systems. Chris, I think I'm going to pull a little bit more on the comments you and Clark were just making around trust. Whether we're trying to build that trust internal stakeholders or with external, before we even get to the controls and whether those are security foundational or driving innovation, one thing I would like to always start with is making sure everybody's on the same page. Whether we're talking about data security or security practices in general, we'll see at times where a chief data officer is perhaps not closely aligned with the chief information security officer or with, in some cases, even chief privacy, because depending on where their businesses operate, perhaps they're in part of a U.S. that doesn't have high regulations around privacy, so they haven't looked at it. There are people who are working at different paces, at different areas, and they have not necessarily come together to really figure out what their North Star is. That establishes what the risk tolerance level is also for organizations. So when we talk about the use of AI, it's great for business growth and innovation and transformation. Yes, it comes with challenges, but I think most things do. So I tend to look at security in a similar function is all too often security practitioners have been perceived in a very negative light as naysayers. And so as we have worked very hard at changing that perception around being more enablers of business rather than hindrance to it, that's how I then start looking at security foundations as well. 
security foundations, you can look at it in two parts. One is good old basic data hygiene. It never gets old. When we look at the type of incidents organizations are experiencing, they stem from whether it's social engineering or whether it's misconfigurations or whether it is vulnerability management. Nonetheless, those are things that are not going away. Everybody needs to, as table stake, just do it. doesn't matter in what environment, whether you're looking at on-prem, whether you're looking at hybrid, whether you're looking at cloud only. Those are things that are essential. Then we kind of get into the security assurance and compliance. When we use the car analogy, people have talked about seatbelts, that with the advent of seatbelts, drivers were able to go faster. There are other analogies, including from Mario Andretti, the famous driver, who kind of alluded that even in Formula One, a lot of the drivers don't understand that the brakes will help you go faster rather than really stop. I look at security in that way when I talk about compliance. So we talk about security and privacy by design. I think compliance is along that line. It doesn't have to be an afterthought. It doesn't have to be a checklist mentality. It's really looking at what it is that the organization is trying to accomplish, looking at your risk culture, figuring out what your common North Star is, embedding the right set of controls that are appropriate for your business, and what type of data you're trying to protect. Those are the type of things that we continue to have conversations about. Some industries that are regulated, they may be a little bit more intense about it. Some who aren't, they have to address it for themselves and kind of culture that they have within their organization and risk and culture go hand in hand. And the outcome, I think, is a lot about transparency, which leads to trust. I'd like to underscore what you said around building security and privacy in, and I'd like to also add to that compliance. You think about whatever your compliance regime is up front, then you can also design what does my evidence have to look like? Where is it going to go? Where can I put it in such a place that my auditors can freely access the evidence without interrupting productivity time? How do you think generative AI will reshape the cyber risk landscape? Share your perspective and join the conversation on our LinkedIn page at AWS Executive Connection. So Clark, let's talk a little bit more about that regulatory compliance. Many organizations look at it as a obstacle. There are so many evolving and continuously changing regulations, whether those are jurisdictional, whether those are more industry-oriented. Many organizations are starting to lean into the regulatory compliance and standards to also gain a competitive edge. I'm curious, what are your thoughts around this? This is similar to what I said about security being a business enabler, but I completely believe that compliance can be a business enabler as well. I've spoken to many customers who have leaned into building out their compliance program, whether it's SOC 2 or PCI or HIPAA, to validate to their customers that, hey, we're doing what we're saying we're doing. You can prove it through this trusted third party or through this program and then actually generate new business from it. One particular example I, I have to anonymize for compliance reasons, actually, for lack of a better word, <laughs> a customer in the insurance space, they were building a automated underwriting system. All of their customers were the large insurance carriers. Those large insurance carriers, because they're doing the right thing by their business, they have the thousand question questionnaires. Are you doing X, Y, and Z appropriately? Do you have your password like this? And while the company did do all those things, they didn't have a third-party attestation to say, hey, let me prove to you that this is actually being done from an outside auditor, et cetera. While they had to answer all of these questions, 
that onboarding time for that new customer might be six or eight months long, which is really unacceptable when the business is saying, where's our revenue coming from this stream? This particular customer decided to invest in a SOC 2 Type 2 program across four of the five trust principles of SOC 2, put the financial investment, the cultural investment, et cetera, into achieving that. And once they had that document and all the answers in there, when they went to go pitch to a new insurer and that insurer said, hey, I have all these questions for you. The answer was, well, here's our SOC 2. Let us know if you have any other questions beyond that. That reduced that onboarding time from six to eight months to six to eight weeks. That is a business advantage strictly from both compliance and, of course, the security that goes along with that. I recently had the opportunity to interview one of our own security assurance managers. Her name is Samara Moore. In the show notes, there'll be a link to her video, which really dives a lot deeper into this. Shifting gears a little bit, if we want to keep the car metaphor going, I don't want to put the brakes on it, so we'll just shift gears. Chris, in the paper, we describe the concept of a value engine. What do we actually mean by that? The engine is what makes this thing go. And if we look inside of an organization, that engine is the competitive advantage. And really that depends on three different things inside of an organization. So first of all, a business has to have a North Star. It's the business strategy. It's where are we going? The value that we put behind our entire team to drive our growth. So everybody has to be on the same mission to drive the engine to its North Star. As long as we all know what our mission and vision is, to drive that value growth. First of all, we have to have that North Star. Second, it's security culture. What are our core security values influencing every single department? So many times we see the departments or business just looking at data and looking at security and saying, that's not our problem. That's a security issue or an IT issue. What we really need to do is get our teams in our businesses to understand what that data strategy is. Our business has to own that data. We in security have to help them understand how to protect it, depending on its criticality. And then we look at operation strategy as well as technology strategy that is all behind how are we going to run these applications and then protect this data. It's that security culture that is through the entire organization. And finally, getting alignment of all parts of the business, working together to drive that value. We all have to be pushing our engine in the same direction to really get our competitive advantage as an organization. One of the things that stood out to me in our paper is what we call this value engine and how it captures the key opportunities with data security, how we want to approach it in the right way by engaging all these different groups that I just talked about, that we can deliver much more value and be more efficient. So Dimple, What are some of the actions customers can take to start this value engine in their own companies? Since we're talking about value, I think we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge the impact that business partners or part of the ecosystem have on this. One of the the areas that we see and certainly advocate for as organizations are working together is to include those partners and really look at areas of friction that may impact the ability to make decisions. Time to market always has an impact on competitiveness really looking at driving that value and establishing trust. Clark, you mentioned, you know, around the compliance. I think part of it is that there's also a great deal to consider around not just third-party risk, but also fourth and fifth-party risk. As we look at these and work together with internal and external stakeholders, making sure that we're identifying where there are potential challenges, 
having actively defined mitigation plan to address those, and then building a culture, not just talking about it, but really putting into practice where people are testing their assumptions, they're testing everything. We always believe in testing things out rather than waiting for a disaster or critical event, whether it's a natural disaster, whether it's a security event, whatever from happening is making sure that we're introducing some of those on a regular basis intentionally, whether it's through principles of chaos engineering or something else, doing immersive exercises with our stakeholders from board onwards, that nature of making sure that there is a plan, it's a shared plan. There are risks identified. We're only as strong as knowing what we're working against. And we have those even for the C-suite. So it doesn't have to be an operational-only exercise. There's also a little bit about bringing in new ideas or really looking at the makeup of the teams that are contributing to these exercises. Because those of us who have been working together will get ourselves in a rhythm. But sometimes it's good to have a disruptor. Somebody who is not uh, necessarily thinking the same manner as us. I heard a great example today. I was at a client council meeting and we were talking about AI. And one of the individuals said, hey, so I know we've implemented all sorts of policies around generative AI in our company or starting to establish that governance. How many of you have interns? Enough people raised their hand and said, yeah. He says, yeah, that's a very different mindset that comes in. Because we know that those of us who have younger people in our circle, they are all applying generative AI, perhaps not for enterprise, of course, but more for personal reasons. When they come in, they're going to bring definitely new use cases. That was definitely, I'll admit, an aha moment for me. We need to make sure that we're encouraging that kind of behavior, again, to make us all stronger and and better. So that's more the advice or the actions from the C-suite, making sure that we're cultivating a culture that prioritizes secure and trusted data as a fast path to value. And then, of course, the operational stuff, like we were talking about earlier, a lot about applying the principles of chaos engineering to make sure we're anticipating what could be a potential impact. We're looking at incident response, bringing together stakeholders from across the company so they understand how they're supposed to go into effect. And the other example I've heard is they have managed to build a risk culture in their organization where every 30 days, they're bringing together their line of business leaders, some board members included, to do a brief exercise, a cyber range type of an exercise. And they mix up the topics. Sometimes it's third party. Sometimes it is natural disaster based on where they are located And so those type of exercises, I think, shows a combination of operational excellence, resilience, the collaboration that needs to happen to make sure that everyone is trusting what they have access to for data. I loved your insights there. I I do want to underscore a couple of them because it comes up a lot in customer conversations that I have. The idea of the game day and the incident response tabletop exercises, I want my customers to feel comfortable with being uncomfortable in a safe environment, right? So to have these exercises around ransomware, going through the process and then realizing, oh, we didn't think about X or Y or Z, and then adding to the process because of that and actually you know, documenting it and making sure that 
the first time you hear about ransomware is not a real event. And it gives you that confidence that ends up with being a business advantage as well. And people just may not think about it that way. So have really enjoyed the conversation we've had today. I'd like to ask each of you for one key takeaway for our listeners here. So Chris, would you be so kind? You bet. In a summary, as I looked at all the data and understanding it, I love data and I love to analyze it and I like to trust our data. The one thing that we really talked about on this trust piece is what chief data officers are looking for as they're looking at the data and looking for information. You know, the most important thing that they want is real-time data, real-time information. So it's not old. It's not something that isn't current and fast access, scalable, expandable. And as we look at how many clients we have are moving to the cloud, the overwhelming number of CDOs that say 81% said secure and transparent is most important. To see that stat gives me confidence that we are making a mark around the world with all these clients that security and trust of this data is most important. We need to continue to make sure that we are doing our jobs and helping the world be able to protect this most important and natural resource of data. I was actually looking at the same thing in the report as Chris. The one takeaway for me was, I think, a little bit of encouragement. And those who know me will know that perhaps I'm uh, definitely more of a wild realist, but also an optimist. The measurement when we were talking about in the paper around protecting data value of the three areas around data ethics, organizational transparency and accountability and cybersecurity, the one that had the least delta between all practitioners and leading CDOs who are really focusing on cybersecurity as a way of gaining that level of trust, that was the smallest delta, right? And so for me, that was encouraging. While security was not necessarily the most looked at topic in the past, and it was seen more as a must-do, more so for regulatory purposes, now it's becoming a little bit better understood and being seen more as a business enabler which I have to say is vastly different from even five, six years ago, where you had to bring in people kicking and screaming to some degree and seeing it as a cost rather than as an investment. And that is tremendous. Well said. And I'm going to steal a little bit of what each of you said into my key takeaway. Yes, security, compliance, privacy, should all be investments and looked at as business advantages as opposed to a must-have or need to have and you know not particularly interested in it, really lean into it. But in order to really achieve that, I'd like to see more investment from organizations in the culture and mechanisms to support that culture, to support security, compliance, and privacy within the organization. You can't just have it all in the responsibility of a single security team. You need to have responsibility in the business. You need to have that developer who is building that next great thing to have a sense of security ownership and make sure that he or she are building that into the pipeline of whatever they're developing, thinking about the compliance aspects, the security aspects, the privacy aspects, where is the audit evidence going to go? And when we start thinking about that more broadly, I think we're going to have businesses feel more secure about their overall business, the industry they're in their ability to take more risks, obviously to drive forward and be successful in a business. Thanks again to Chris and Dimple for joining me today. Really enjoyed the conversation. If you'd like more information or to download the report, please check the show notes. And of course, there'll be a link to that video and other assets mentioned during this talk. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Conversations with Leaders, brought to you by AWS Executive Insights. Learn more about the research and download a copy of the report for yourself by following the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us spread the word by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review.